Good afternoon and welcome to Mediascope, the programme for and about the public relations, event management and journalism industries. I'm Ellen Gunning from the Irish Academy of Public Relations and you're very welcome to the programme. Now on this week's show I'm chatting with James McCann, the chief executive of PR company Clear Story International. Thanks for taking my call James. Yeah, my pleasure, Ellen. Now, you're based out in the Blue Cube in Dunleary, so you're, you're very local to Dublin, but you have a Indeed. staff that is made up of Brazilians, Canadians, Irish, Italians and Americans. Are they all based yeah, in sure. Ireland or are they based around uh, the world? No, they're, they're, based, they're all based in Ireland. But, uh, you know, we found over the, the, the last you know, three years, you know, the, 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 the demographic in, in terms of talent has, has really changed uh, in, in, in Ireland. And uh, obviously with remote working now, we can kind of broaden uh, you know, like let's just broaden our base of where we can recruit from from outside of Dublin, and uh, I suppose for the first time we're even kind of looking at hiring, you know, outside of Ireland entirely. But you know, obviously there's various implications to that. Uh, but you know, it's a, it's an exciting time. I, th- I think you know, as a as a as an industry, and um, you know, in in terms of recruitment as well. Well, now, the reason I'm concentrating on your staff are very mixed. So they're very mixed in backgrounds. They're mm. mostly based in Dublin. And yet, would the reason I'm talking to you is because you sent in a, a, a press release during the week to say that 100% of your staff were now madly in favour of remoting on a permanent basis. And I thought, how on Correct. earth did he get 100% of people yeah, in favour? Yeah, sure. So explain yeah. that one to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, we started, you know, obviously, you know, in, in March of last year, uh, we were all just kind of, uh, you know, taken quite suddenly to to, to leave the office, and um, you know, we, we I, I think my expectations at the time maybe we'd be we'd be gone for three months or so, and um, you, I think most people would have been the same at that time. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. we didn't exactly, expect yeah. it to carry on for a year we, or more. We really didn't, and uh, you know, in in terms of kind of the experience uh, as as a business, now you know, most of our client relations would have been done via, you know, kind of Zoom and, and, and Hangouts already. Uh, so that wasn't really an issue. The, the real issue was, you know, I suppose, kind of the work environment and, and flexibility. And we had some people coming from, like, the north side of the city, even as far as down a base, you know, to, to, to get to the office. And, you know, even if it's a case where you were, you know, like nearby, you're still facing maybe a 20-minute, 30-minute commute uh, with traffic and all that kind of stuff. So <clears throat> I, I think over the last year, operationally, things have been working out really well. I think, uh, you know, we've had a lot of uh, younger employees that were renting in Dublin uh, who, who decided to move back home. Uh, so they're obviously able to save on rent and, uh, you know, kind of move back closer to their family for the whole period. And, and in general, <clears throat> when we surveyed our staff to look at, um, you know, the, 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 like a, a remote working policy, like 100% of them came back to say that the, the year had been a very positive experience for them. Um, and, you know, we obviously had to factor that in and say, OK, well, look, if, if that's the case, uh, we, we, we need to make sure that the remote work uh, situation stays as a, a more permanent uh, feature. You said that you'd mostly been dealing with clients on Zoom and Hangouts uh, before mm. the pandemic struck. That'd be unusual. Yeah, even sure. even in PR, I mean, most people you would meet with your clients on a fair, like right. physically on yeah. a, on a regular basis. Why were you doing it all remotely at the time? Yeah, so you know, as an agency, we're we're, we're very much take a, a minimalist approach, and and also the fact that um, you know most of our clients are outside of Ireland, so it's very hard to kind of meet them face to face. And we've got a lot of clients in Southeast Asia, for example, and you know uh, uh, quite a few in, in in the US and Canada. Uh, so logistically, <clears throat> being able to meet them was always a challenge. It had um, to be by Zoom or by Hangout, okay? Effectively, yeah. 
So when your your people were used to being in an office, I'm just trying to get my head around this because I think this is fascinating. So your people are used to being in an office and they're on Zoom or Hangouts. So they're on a computer screen talking to people um, who are remote from them. They yeah. they relocate and they do that from home. But most people, if you ask any group of people from any company, what's the experience positive? They'll say, well, there were good things about it, like, for yeah, example, sure. saving on the rent or moving back you know, closer to my family. But the negative is I'm in a house with three other people who are all yeah. trying to access Wi-Fi. You didn't yeah. have any of that at all, or did that no, well, filter we, back we, to we, you? Certainly. So, so we, we obviously looked at, at the profile of, of, of people and, and, and kind of their circumstances. And, you know, not surprisingly, that there was nobody working, you know, from, say, their own apartment on their own, which I, I think is quite a positive thing, you know, given the, the year that we've had, you mm-hmm. know, be quite isolating. Uh, so the, the vast majority have been working, you know, at home with family. Um, we also looked at in, in terms of kind of, you know, did they have their own space? Uh, their own room to be able to work from independently, uh, and, and and quite a, like uh, the vast majority. I think there was there, there was two um, surveys that, that that didn't have that space, and that they they find it difficult, you know, to to take calls. Um, and and so when factoring all of that in, you know, <clears throat> if it's the case where you have your own your own space, you you can you can work from home. You have your desk, you have your chair, uh, you have that quiet area. You're not really disturbed. Um, you know, it's it, easy. It, it's it, all down it, to your mental attitude. Then after that, that's, yeah, yeah, for sure. And and obviously for those who haven't got that, <clears throat> you know, we're looking at them um, doing a kind of um, uh, I, I suppose, uh, you know, hot desking for you know, for example, we've one of our employees down in, in, in Tullamore, for example, um, and you know, she, she might not have you know the kind of the, the privacy that she needs. You know, we might look at getting a hot desk area for for her down in Tullamore, and I think that's that's what's going to change the, the, the entire environment of. Uh, of, of, of the workplace, I think in the in the coming years, uh, is, is is being able to do that. You know, I I think so. And the other thing, from your point of view, is you said your clients were mostly in Asia, the US, mm. the UK. So you're dealing with different time zones. So you've Correct. you've been used to people starting early in the morning or finishing late at night, our time, which is regular daytime, your clients' yeah. time. Yeah, and and you know, it's it's, it's we're we're very lucky in that you know we, we we sit strategically across three time zones. Obviously, you know, North America. Uh, we work in probably kind of later in the evening, you know, between kind of what two to two to six p.m. Um, you know, Europe is, is standard hours, and then uh, Southeast Asia, we, we we do a lot in in the morning with. Um, so you know, I suppose between you know eight thirty and and you know twelve o'clock, we we can engage there. Uh, so you know, realistically. You know, our, our staff start at nine. They finish at five thirty. Um, that's generally the, the working hours. Uh, and obviously, you know, on occasion there might be a campaign that has to. You know, that's that's quite sensitive happening in the region, and, and, and you know, we have to be up a little bit earlier to kind of tackle that, uh, or, or stay a bit later if it's in the US. Uh, but by and large. Um, you know, it's standard standard errors. You know, we're we're looking in that regard as well. And what about the idea that um, I'm I'm picking your brains now? But part yeah, of the sure. press release said you're going to allow working holidays, so the team yes. members can work from anywhere in the world for up to a week yeah. at a time. Right now, I have to tell you, the word work <laughs> and holidays yeah, do not. I think it works. I have a great respect for holidays. You're going on yeah, holidays. Sure. Go away. Do not work. Yeah, is for this sure, for sure. is this to cope with mandatory quarantine? Where did this element come yeah, from? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, well. The, the, this uh, again, this is this is you know for for post post pandemic uh, environments and you know like when we were assessing kind of what we can do from a policy perspective, you know obviously we've a lot of uh, you know com- we, we handle a lot of confidential information on behalf of clients, so you know being able to work in cafes and that kind of thing just isn't going to be an option for us. Um, <clears throat> so you know it, it, it's 
you know, the, the idea of a working holiday whereby, you know, as a team, uh, we can we can go to, to you know, let's say like Portugal, Lisbon, um, you know, book a place there for a week. And, you know, we work there, we get together as a team, we socialise together. Um, and, you know, maybe we leave the guys for the weekend and they, they can enjoy the place for, for, for that period by, by themselves. Uh, it allows the team to bond, even though we're still working fully remotely. Um, and, you know, in terms of productivity, you know, provided it's the right place, obviously, and, and, and we can we can get together and do that. I, I don't see the harm in it. I'm going to make sure, I, like, to make sure my to... team don't hear this interview <laughs> because that didn't cross my mind at all. And that is that is really clever because it's a different experience for everyone. It yeah. does bring the team together. It, it bonds them and you're still working and you get that kind of office tic-tac that you don't get otherwise. Exactly. What yeah. about then from your point of view, all the new government regulations, so there's this huge fear around people remoting that mm. employers will take advantage, they'll expect yeah, you sure. to answer emails at all hours yeah, of the day yeah, and night yeah, yeah. and actually yeah. I think we all live with the phone beside us and we monitor it anyway, whether somebody yeah, asks us sure. to or not. Yeah. But yeah. what's your take on how the government is trying to sort of regulate that environment now? Yeah, look, I, I'm very much in agreement with this. Um, you know, the, the the right to to switch off, um, and you know, uh, it generally, you know, kind of the, the directives we would give to to account managers, and and, and even you know, for, for myself, you know, if, if we find that, that that there's anyone working excessively, you know, past half five, look, on, on occasion it happens, and everyone knows that. But if it's a case where you know, like you're working till eight o'clock, or seven o'clock, you know, most evenings, you know, I think that's on the employer and not the employee. Uh, and I think it's an operations issue that needs to be looked at and looked after. Um, you know, you, you, you can't, you know, like you, you can't expect your employees to be working, you know, eleven, twelve hour, twelve hour days. You know, obviously, you know, for for like if it's management or it's an executive level, uh, and and they signed on for that, and, and and obviously, you know, the startup environment can be quite hectic and it's required. Um, the 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 options there, but I've always been of the opinion. Um, that you know, you need to give people work-life balance. That the the the, the culture of, you know, kind of drive them, you know, drive them hard and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, is I, it I always drive them hard? Because I'm conscious there was a, a colleague of mine who used to work late nights every night of the yeah. week. And yeah. her pressure was that, and she was in PR, and her pressure yeah. was that her boss kept calling her in and saying, what are you doing? Why can't you get out of here at 5.30? Um, what's the issue? What do we need? What mm. supports do we need to put in place? Yeah, sure. And she, it suited her style. She actually left because they were demanding that she finish at a reasonable yeah, time. And, and you know what? Look, you know, if 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 that is you know what people want to do, and and they're happy with us, you know, that that's absolutely okay. You know, uh, you, you you can't you know you can't dictate on an individual level as to how people want to want to work in that regard. Um, I, I suppose my concern is always around those who who, who find themselves in an unwilling position uh, to do that. Uh, to, oh, to work absolutely. Those but my particular take on the government feel was that it, it feels like they expect employers will abuse their employees, which I don't actually think they do. I don't think so. I, I, I think, um, you know, I, it's always the extremes that, that, that end up being factored in when, when, when most of these you know, kind of... Well, that's true, actually. You, you legislate or you regulate for the, yeah, the extreme situation yeah. you never expected would actually happen. Exactly, um, exactly. Tell me about your clients in Asia, the USA yeah, and the yeah. UK. How on earth do you get that kind of client base out of Dunleary? Come on, give me yeah, the inside yeah, story. Yeah, for 
sure, for sure. So you know, like years ago, I I, I worked with, with Web Summit, um, which you know we'd all be familiar with, quite a large technology conference that was in Dublin, now, now mm-hmm. in Lisbon, and uh, it had a number of sister events, and uh, we had Rise in Hong Kong, and we had Collision in New Orleans, and. Um, you know, we, we we were able to to organise that event centrally from Dublin, and it gave me a very unique insight uh, into um, uh, into how to to run an international operation. And uh, okay. we were doing all of our media relations from from Dublin um, to, for for the likes of like we were doing conferences in India, in, in Hong Kong, and you know any any corner of the world really. Um, and I, I I only set foot in Hong Kong when the event was actually taking place. Um, so that, that you know that, that was great insight, uh, and then after that, um, you know, like I, I built up a pretty good network, um, you know, in Southeast Asia mm-hmm. uh, and, and and in the US and, and so forth and so on. And you know, like anything, it, it starts in small beginnings. My, my first client uh, was a tech conference in Thailand uh, from a contact that I'd, I'd been working with over three years. You know, in, in, in like with that conference in Hong Kong. And um, you know, met people uh, when I went out to that conference, and another client came along, and uh, yeah, it just it just kind of grown from, from there. there. So, and whatever yeah. about the the conference side of things, do you do the conference organising side as well? We, we don't do the organising; we, we we do the media relations side. Uh, so we would get you know top tier journalists, your, your Bloomberg and CNNs, uh, to the events. Uh, get you know, look, look to get them to moderate. Uh, we might look at the strategic media partnerships for for clients. Uh, then we look at content. Uh, we advise kind of the, the organisers around content, obviously for for um, you know like stage stages um, and, and trying to editorialise some of it uh, as well, so that that it can generate news and a bit of a buzz and all that kind of stuff. So th- th- that's typically what we do for the event side. And do you not find that there are huge challenges, like from a a culture point of view, that you're sitting in Dublin and yeah. you're you're actually trying to generate media relations in Thailand? Yeah, but sure. but you've no Thai on the staff, and you don't you, you don't speak Thai, I presume. So yeah, how how do you manage? Do you do everything in English? <laughs> well, well, for, first of all, I suppose you know it depends on how localized the campaign is. Uh, you know, if it's hyper local, uh, well, then you know it, it's obviously a barrier. But for example, if, if our if our clients are you know say a Thai tech startup uh, that are looking to expand into Southeast Asia, well, you know there's a lot of relevant media in Thailand. The reach is uh, wider, yeah. The reach is wider for sure, and, and also um, you know it's like there's a lot of international press in in in, in these markets as well uh, that are all very keen to to tell the story of, of of what's happening you know in the tech scene in that country and you know uh, the who's who and the what's what. So, um, you know, and obviously we use translators where we need to, but, you know, it's actually quite rare. Um, you know, English is, you know, a strong commercial uh, language, as we know, around the world. Um, and the other languages we're really trying to, to get on the team, uh, Mandarin being one of them, because it's 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 uh, obviously in Southeast Asia and even Africa, it's starting to, to, to gain some, uh, some significance. Um, and then we have French, German. Spanish, Italian, and Portuguese, all as, as languages on the team. So, you know, when we're hiring, we look to, to you know, for anyone with an additional European language or, or you know, even, you know, Malay or, you know, uh, anything along those lines. That's really interesting, actually. The people, it's something that people in PR don't, aren't conscious of. I am. But as a, as a general rule, if people are studying public relations, they're not conscious that actually they do need one or two other languages. Yeah, I, sure. I think we have a huge advantage in Ireland that we grow up speaking English. Uh, yeah, the UK absolutely. has the same advantage. But we don't yeah. have a lot of language skills. Um, so no, I would imagine no. most of your team are people for whom English is their second language. 
in many cases, yeah. 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 So, See, uh, clever we, we, beggars. They yeah. identified an opportunity and went for it. James yeah, McCann, sure. thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I really enjoyed that chat. Yeah, my, my pleasure, Ellen. And listen, thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time. Not at all. Well, now, that's all I have for you for this week. If you have information you'd like to share with listeners or you have a good story to tell, send me an email to mediascope at dublincityfm.ie. And don't forget, you can hear podcasts of this and previous Mediascope programmes on www.irishacademy.ie. I'm Ellen Gunning. Sound this week was by Fergal Daly. My thanks to James McCann and thanks to you for being with me. I look forward to the pleasure of your company at the same time next week. So until then, goodbye.